Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That really is true. Now, listen. We, we're talking about this Friday night is barbecue and bingo, and we printed out about 100 tickets, but then we had to print out some more because they almost sold out. So if you want to come Friday night, there's no home, fo- there's no football game, right? No football. Yeah, the football is like, whoa. <laughs> no, you're supposed to say no, right? But no football game Friday night, and so we're going to all get together in this room, and we're going to have barbecue, and we're going to play bingo. And I know how competitive most of y'all are, so I can't wait to see how that goes. I think it's going to be funny. Tickets are $10, and all the, the proceeds are going towards the youth on their mission program. So that'll be Friday night. So you guys make sure after service you get signed up when you go outside. We've been talking about, and this is actually the last in the series on being anxious for nothing, and I shared some statistics with you guys that are absolutely fascinating. Uh, The American Psychological Association tells us this, that about one in every five, almost one in every five Americans has been diagnosed with some types of of anxiety disorder. We're talking about almost 15% of the population, guys. And that's how many have been diagnosed. That does not include people that deal with severe anxiety that have not been diagnosed. So they know the number is much higher. You're talking about people that have literally gone to a doctor and they're dealing with so much stress, so much anxiety, they need to be on medication or they need counseling. They've got major challenges. One in five. That is absolutely amazing to me. And I'll be honest with you, I've been, I've been really surprised um, as we've been going through this series the people in the community that I've talked to. Uh, just last week, we had almost 300 people in first service watching us online, and it was really amazing to me. California, Colorado, Georgia, um, and I've been getting contact from people that are saying, this, this service, what we've been talking about, really resonates with me in my life. So it's something that's a big problem for us, and the Bible actually has a lot to say about it. So we're going to be talking today about anxious for nothing in the final in the series, and it's called praise, anxious for nothing and praise. And so if you've got your Bibles, open them up, or we're going to be reading out of Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. You want me to do something? Am I doing something? Tighten the cable. I've been told my cable wasn't tight, so that would be exactly right. How's that? Is that better? I don't know yet. Okay, here we go. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, the Apostle Paul says this, I will say it again, excuse me, rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, and we've talked about that the Lord is as near as a whisper. But of course, to hear a whisper, what do you have to do? You have to listen. So God is near to us all the time, but he's not shouting at us. The Lord is usually near to us, but he's speaking to us in a whisper, which means we have to be listening. It also means that he's intimately close to us. Do not be anxious. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends or passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now listen, Paul wrote this, and it sounds really amazing, but here's the deal. He wrote it in prison. He wrote these words... In prison. He was not on a beach somewhere. He was not on vacation. He was not in Colorado sitting down by a river. He was locked up 
under house arrest, literally physically chained to a Roman guard all day long. He was under arrest when he wrote, Rejoice always, be anxious for nothing, pray, be happy. And yet here he is under, he can't go do the things that he wants to do. Why would someone write that? How could someone say, where you're in a hard place, rejoice because God has it under control? I want to know that. What's the key to that? Because if we are dealing with anxiety, if we are dealing with stress, we need to understand how important that is. I mentioned the other day, and it's something we deal with in society. There is the the public you, that's the you that everybody sees, and then there's the private you. The public you and the private you. Here's what God wants. God wants the public you and the private you to look the same. When you're at home, you're the same. When you're out in public, you're the same. When you're at school, you're the same. When you're on the football field, you're the same. You're the same person all the time. And God wants that to be the best you, which is the you that he's created, the godly you. And let me tell you why that has a lot to do with anxiety. Because being fake is exhausting. Putting on an act all the time is absolutely exhausting. And God doesn't want us to be that way. And so as we've gone through this series, and what I really want you to understand is ask yourself this question, am I the same person all the time? Is the person that's sitting in the pew looking at me this morning the same person when you walk out in public? Or if somebody cuts you off in traffic, what are you going to say? God bless you, brother. I can't say those words. You know what I'm going with that. But are you the same? Now listen, I want to give you permission for something today. And this is important. There are some of us that have grown up in church, and we've been told that when something bad happens, if we respond wrong, if we get nervous, if we get upset, if we freak out a little bit, that we're not spiritual. Can I tell you something that's not true? Because when the phone rings and there's that call you don't want to get, or the doctor gives you a bad report, or you get fired from a job, or something happens, the initial response that you might have, it's okay to have that moment, those moments where you feel that. I will tell you why I know that's true. The Bible tells us that when Jesus is in the garden on the night that he was betrayed, and he realized that his time was come, that he was about to go to the cross, that he was about to suffer beyond anything he or any of the rest of us could imagine. Jesus prayed, and he was under such anxiety, he was under such stress, that he literally physically sweat and bled drops of blood. He was that stressed out. And doctors, medical doctors have told us that can physically happen. Someone that's under that much anxiety can literally sweat blood. And that's where Jesus was. And here's what Jesus said. Dad, if it's possible, take this cup from me. This is hard. This is hard. The reality of that moment, it's difficult. But but here was the key. He said, Father, take this cup away from me, but... Not my will, but your will be done. In those moments, Jesus transferred that decision to the Father. He said, you know what? Regardless of how I feel, God, I'm going to trust you in this moment. I know what this looks like. I know how hard this is. But God, I'm going to trust you. And guys, I say this all the time. But you need to get this in your heart. You need to decide in your own life, is God God or not? Because here's the thing. Here's the truth. Either he is God of all 
or he is God of nothing. He's either really God or he's really not God. There's no halfway. And so those of us that call ourselves Christ followers, those of us that have received that salvation, we need to live our lives in such a way that we act like that. That when those moments come, when those giants in our life come, when those lions in our life jump out at us, in those moments, we can have that initial response, but then we have to say, God, you know what? As hard as this is, I'm going to trust you in this moment. And that's not an easy thing to do. But let me give you some more good news. It's not about how you feel. It's not about how you feel. How many of you have ever done something you didn't want to? Yeah, me, me either. I go over and, and, and Crystal is the nurse that gets to deal with me when I go to the doctor. Now, Crystal knows about me something you guys don't, but I'm about to share it with you. I hate shots. Come on, somebody. That's right. Now, Crystal is the best in the world at giving me shots because I become a three-year-old when I go in there and she goes, Pastor Chris, it's time for a shot. And I'm like, yeah, we, you know, I just kind of freak out a little bit. And she goes, okay, one, two, and then, you know, and then she does, and it's okay. But I don't like it. But here's the thing. I don't feel like I want this, but I know that if I'll take the shot, the, other, the end result is going to be good. You don't have to feel like trusting God. Your emotions may be telling you one thing, but you recognize that in that moment, you know what? God, I'm going to trust you more because I believe that you're God, and you promised me that all things are going to work out for my good if I trust you. So regardless of how I feel or regardless of what the situation looks like, God, I'm going to believe you. And what happens in those moments is I transition my anxiety from me to him say that again. In those moments, I transition my anxiety, which is what Paul was talking about here, to him. I want to read you another scripture here that I think is really interesting. And as I get ready to do that, I want you to think about something. Praise and praising God in moments where we don't feel like praising him is about our perspective. It's about how we see things. And, I, and the Latin root of the word perspective means this, to see through. So those of you that wear glasses, your perspective is adjusted because you wear those glasses and you see through those glasses and you see the world through those glasses. It changes your perspective. And so this word perspective talks about how we literally see things. And Paul had an interesting way of seeing things maybe a little differently than some of us. He's under house arrest literally chained to these guards all day long, and he writes this scripture. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. Now, I'm going to read two things here, and I'm going to read how some of us have a perspective. And this is a version that Craig Rochelle, Pastor Craig Rochelle, and I modified it a little bit. And this is going to be a version that I've made up, so this is not the scripture. This is called the BNV or the bad news version. How many of you have an NIV, NIV Bible? This is the BNV or the bad news version. So just work with me here and listen to what I have to say. Now, here's the bad news version, Philippians 1, 12 through 13. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me is horrible. God let me down. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, depression, and hopelessness. Because of all that I'm going through, I'm quitting church. 
I'm mad at Pastor Chris. Wes can't sing all that good. Your mom dresses you funny, and I'm never going back to church. (laughs) That's one person's response to news. But let me tell you how Paul deals with the Spirit. Let me tell you what the real version is, okay? Here's what Paul said, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. Now, remember, he's under arrest when he wrote this. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Steve, would you come up here a minute? Would you, do you mind? You've got handcuffs on you? Now, listen, those of you that don't know, uh, this is Sergeant Steve Dravenstad of the Highland, uh, Highland Police Department. He's also my boss at the police department. <laughs> and I'm going to allow him to do something to me that he's been wanting to do for a long time. Huh? No, you're not going to taste me. <laughs> no, stop it. <laughs> no, David. <laughs> yeah, he actually probably dreams about tasing me, but we're not doing that today. These are good pants. Okay, so um, I'm going to allow him to handcuff me, okay? No, not behind my back. Just handcuff me to you. <laughs> David, stop. Uh, handcuff me to you. Can you do that? Now, I want to show you, this is really what happened. The Apostle Paul, he said, is in chains, and he was literally chained to a Roman guard every day. He sat there and was chained 12 to 24 hours a day to a Roman guard, but they changed these guards about every eight hours. So every eight hours, a new guard came and sat by Paul. What's interesting, will you follow me over here? <laughs> Here's what's interesting. The guard's sitting there while Paul is writing the book of Philippians. And he's like, hey, Paul, what you doing? I'm writing, you, you want to know what I'm doing? You have to, he said. <laughs> what are you working on? I'm working on, what's going on in Philippi? Well, we've got a church over there. Well, read to me what you're working on. Do you know the first person that heard the book of Philippians was a Roman guard? And here's what happened. Watch this, guys. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result of him being in chains, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in handcuffs for Jesus. See, these guards were not just normal guards. They were part of the Praetorian Guard. They were the guards of the city. They were the guards that guarded the emperor. And so these guards were were chained up to Paul, but they were there to experience the gospel. And so during the day, while Paul is in chains, he's preaching the gospel to them. And then one would leave and another one would come. And he would hear the gospel. And he would leave and another one would come. And now it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard. That means these guys were getting saved. So let me ask you a question. This is the big takeaway today. Paul is in a situation where he could be very anxious, but look at what Paul says. I'm not handcuffed to him. He's handcuffed to me. I'm going to say that again. I'm not handcuffed to Steve. 
Steve is handcuffed to me. Amen? Here's why that's important. It's how you look at things. It's your perspective. Amen? Here, I'm going to let you loose. <laughs> Let's give Steve a big hand. Thank you. Now, as you guys know, don't you kid me like that. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thank you. Don't we appreciate our police officers? Let's give him a big hand. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Now, Shane actually was able to handcuff me first. I was trying to decide whether second service I wanted Officer Dave Bushy or Steve to do it. It was really neither one a good choice. So I just went with uh, that one. But, but here's the thing. Do you see the difference in perspective? And that's what Paul is saying here. Why does that matter to you? Because some of you are in life saying, well, if I just had a different job, or if I just wasn't this, that, or the other thing, if I just was married to somebody different, if I just, and what you don't realize, think about this. There's that old thing, and I, you know, I've never said this, but there are people in the past said, well, I'm married to an old ball and chain. Or I'm married to my work. Or I'm chained to my work. And yet when I see this scripture and you realize the difference in perspective, this is what Paul is saying. He goes, what has happened that I didn't think was good initially, now I realize that God is using this opportunity to minister to the kingdom through me. Do you realize that almost two-thirds of the New Testament was written by Paul in jail? What you and I would typically consider as a bad thing, Paul was able to take that, and now he used his imprisonment to write words like Philippians for us to have. He was able to see things not from his perspective, but from God's perspective. So this is the question for you. What about you? Are you anxious? Are you stressed? Are you in a situation that's very difficult for you? If you are, then maybe God wants you to see things from his perspective. Maybe he wants you to bloom where you are as opposed to wishing your life away and trying to be somewhere else. Guys, this is a game changer. Because can I tell you something? Paul was able to take his anxiety and flip it around. And he was able to write be anxious for nothing from prison? This is a question I think we all need to ask and we all need to understand. So I want you to think about maybe some of the situations that you're facing right now at school or maybe people that are near you. Are you using the opportunities where God has you to be a light for him in that place? You know, Sharnan, when you're in there cutting hair, you're not just cutting hair. You're being the presence of God in that place. All of you guys, Nathan, what you're doing, we're, we're shining our light by reaching people wherever we are. And here's the deal. I'm just saying be who God has created you to be. Allow the light of God to be you. Don't put on your Jesus. Allow Jesus to come through you. And cast those cares and cast that anxiety on him and allow him to have that. Amen. Well, this wasn't the first time that Paul was ever in prison. As a matter of fact, he was in prison multiple times in his life. And one of the most notable stories of when Paul was in prison happened on his way to a prayer meeting. He was literally on his way to a prayer meeting with a guy named Silas. And on their way to the prayer meeting, there was a riot. 
because the Christians were causing problems, according to some other people, which was not true. And so Paul and Silas were falsely accused. And here's what happened. Look at Acts chapter 16, verse 22. People began to accuse Paul and Silas, and then the crowd joined in an attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates, the officers, ordered Paul and Silas to be stripped and beaten with rods. Stripped and beaten with rods for going to a prayer meeting. They were serving God, and yet they were put into this situation that was horrible. They were falsely accused, and they were put into a situation that didn't make sense. And and they were beaten in such a way that they were severely flogged, thrown into prison. They were bloody, black eyes, broken ribs, the whole nine yards. And then they took them and locked them up in a jail cell. It's a terrible thing. And so now they're in the middle of the jail cell, and it's in the middle of the night. It's now 12 o'clock at night. They're beaten. They're hurting. They're cold. They're sitting on the floor in the cell. They're chained up together there. And all of a sudden, Silas or Paul, one of the others, said, hey, what do you want to do? Now watch what happens. Paul says, I have an idea. You know what this is a great time for? What? A worship service. What? Dude. We've just been beaten. We've been falsely accused. And you're telling me now you want to sing? Have you heard me sing? (laughs) It's like in the middle of this, it's the opposite response of what you would expect. And so here they are, middle of the night. You can imagine it's dark. They're hurting. And in the middle of their pain, what do they do? They begin to praise God and listen. They weren't praising God for what was going on. They were praising God for who he is. Listen, they weren't praising God for what was happening. They were praising God for who he is. There's something that happens when we begin to praise God, guys. We take our eyes and our thoughts off of the pain and the anxiety and the stress, and we lift them up. You know, it's interesting, whenever we're praising and we begin to lift our hands up, you know what happens? Our head goes up too. And we begin to praise and we begin to sing, whether you can sing or not, you get your mind off this giant, this issue, this challenge that you're facing, and you begin to praise God for who he is. Say, well, pastor, what if I don't feel like it? It's not about your feelings. It's about your your thoughts and your heart. And you begin to praise God. In the midst of your pain, you praise. But something happened to these guys as they were praising. These beaten and bloody guys as they were praising and praising hymns. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. The other prisoners down there were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once, the doors, the prison doors flew open wide, and everyone's chains came loose. 
everyone's. All the other prisoners are listening to what's going on. And all of a sudden, they begin to pray. And the foundation begins to shake. And the prison doors, everybody's prison doors open. Everybody's chains came off. Listen, guys, there's a point here. When you begin to praise God in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your anxiety, when you begin to get your focus on him, it doesn't just affect you. It affects the people around you. Their praise freed the prisoners around them. You need to catch that. Their praise began to impact the people around them because they're praising God, and the other prisoners weren't singing along. They're probably going, Shut up! I'm trying to sleep. Why are you praising God? Shouldn't you be cursing Him? And yet, God moved. Can I tell you something, y'all? I've said this probably a thousand times. There is somebody waiting on the other side of your obedience. Somebody's freedom is impacted by your steps and your obedience. It could be a family member. It could be your kids. It could be a coworker. It could be a student at school. But when you begin to praise God, when you shouldn't, everybody's watching. And then when God shows up and does something, it gets everybody's attention. What do you mean? Well, let me tell you what happened. Prison doors come open. Chains come free. None of the prisoners tried to escape. Not one. They all sat there and they're like, what just happened? And then the jailer comes running inside. And here was the deal back in the day. If the prisoners, if any prisoner escaped, you were put to death. So the the head jailer comes running into the prison, and he grabs his sword, and he prepares to fall on the sword. In other words, he was going to kill himself because he knew that they were escaping. And Paul said, don't do anything. We're all here. And I'm going to paraphrase. He's like, this is the jailer. What do I need to do to get saved? Who is this God? that sets prisoners free and they don't try to escape? Who, who is this that praises in the middle of their pain? Who is this that does that? And they led him to Jesus and not just him, him and his whole family. See, friends, here's the deal. Family, because you're more than friends. When you're facing this challenge that you have in your life, when you begin to praise God and when God begins to move because, by the way, he will, There are other people watching. There are other people watching. And when you begin to praise and you begin to cry out to God and God begins to move in your life, guess what? The people that are watching can be set free too. That is awesome. That is awesome. So how do we do that? Wes, come on up here, buddy. How do we do that? And by the way, Wes, I don't agree with the bad news version. I believe you can sing really good. Whoever wrote that's a jerk. <laughs> I'm so thankful for Wes, Lynn, and their whole family. We have an awesome team, awesome family up here. So what is the key to unlocking your chains? What is the key to being delivered from anxiety? It's changing your focus. You need to get your eyes, oh, you need this. You need to get your eyes off your problem. And you need to lift your eyes to the king. So here's what I want us to do.
Would everybody just stand for a few moments? We're just going to praise God for a few minutes. It's early, and the Cowboys don't play till 12, so it's okay. But here's what I want us to do. Just these moments. Last few weeks, we've been pretty reflective, haven't we? On purpose. But just in these next few moments, I just want us to, where we are, you can raise your hands if you want to. You can sit down if you want to. But in these moments, what I want you to do is, what those of you that are dealing with the anxiety, those of you that are dealing with a major challenge, whatever it is, for these moments, what I want you to do is get your eyes off that. And I want you to praise God. I want you to praise Him. Thank Him. I want you to thank Him for all the things you've seen Him do. I want you to remember the things that you've seen God do in the past. Maybe it was a moment. Just enter into an attitude of prayer right now. I want you to maybe think about some things that you've seen God show up in the past, that He's delivered you before. In those moments where you didn't have any money and God stepped in and miraculously met your needs. Maybe it was a time of stress and you didn't have a job and God provided a way. Or maybe it was in a relationship and God stepped in and gave you peace. Whatever you remember, I want you to begin to praise him. Let's just do that. Father, we praise you. I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, because you are good. I thank you, Lord, because your word says that no weapon formed against me will prosper. Lord, I thank you because your word says that that everything that, that goes on in my life, everything that happens in my life, Lord, for good or for bad, that you can take that and you can turn it and you can make it turn out good for me. So, Lord, I just pray especially for those right now, Lord, that are just dealing with, with stress and pain that, then maybe it's things they've done to themselves. Maybe, Lord, it's people that are here and things that have been done to them. But in this moment, we're going to praise you because you are God. You are God. And we just praise you. Let's just praise him, church. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Father, for hope. Guys, I want you to know today, God may not deliver you from the storm that you're in right now, but he will give you peace in the storm. He will give you peace in the storm, the peace that passes understanding that can guard your heart in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. For your goodness. Amen. Here's what I want to do. Youth, I want you guys to come over here real quick. Guys, come on over here. I'm so proud of our teens. They're so awesome. 
There's a group of these guys that I've been paying for for the last two weeks, praying for. And guys, I just want you to understand something. They are hungry for God and they are seeking God, and I'm so thankful for that. We've got an awesome generation. Guys, will you do me a favor? Will you pray for the church? Let's pray for these folks. Let's do that. Just where you are, y'all begin to pray for them. Here's what I want you guys to do. As they're praying over you, because I know they have faith, I want you to pray for the people that are right around you. Just group up with the people right around you. Let's do that. Say, Pastor, I've never done this in church before. I don't care. Don't worry about it. You don't have to be a great prayer. Just get with the people right there where you are and just pray for them. Y'all go ahead and do that. Just the people that are right around you. These guys are up here praying for Everybody do it. It's okay. Just pray for the people around you real quick. There's strength when we begin to do that. still stands because great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands and this is my confidence you've never failed me you're still enough and keep me within your love oh yes my heart will sing your praise again 
your promise still stands because great is your faithfulness your faithfulness i'm still in your hands and this is my confidence you never I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way. Cause great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is confidence. You have never failed me play church. That doesn't do any of us any good. We are here to be the church. And the same power, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And the reason I'm having you guys pray for each other is because the power and presence of God is in you. I don't have to pray for you. God loves you. His Holy Spirit in you can minister to the people around you. Amen. Now listen, when you leave this place today, there's probably some people in your life that you need to be praying for. (laughs) How about now? Sorry, Marty, I know that's a mess, it's me. But here's the thing. What you just did is what the Word says to do, to pray for one another to lift each other up. You don't have to be a great prayer. It's not about the words that you say. It's about your heart. And when in faith you step out and begin to pray for other people, God will move and he will do something. They're waiting on you. Amen? So let's be faithful. So as you have learned now to cast your anxiety and your stress and your fear on him, now you need to help the people around you. Amen? I'm going to pray over you today, and I'm going to let you guys go, and then I'm going to let Wes finish, and he's going to, I'm going to try to meet you at the door, okay? Now, listen, some of you are probably thinking, well, I don't want to shake his hand. I don't care. I won't be offended. I may be hurt, (laughs) but I'll be okay. (laughs) No, but as you leave today, guys, I want to just hug your neck, say, say bye to you. Just know that we're praying for you during the week, okay? 
Father, I just pray that uh, your word, your spirit would just live in us. That, Father, as we leave this place today, you would go with us. We are not leaving you here, Father. It's not just at church that we experience it's you. Lord, it's here that we get charged up. But you're with us wherever we go. And so, Father, as we leave this place, we are carrying church outside. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet in our family, in our communities. Lord, let us bring your love and your hope to people around us. In Jesus' name, I'm going to let Wes close us, and you guys have a great week. Let's send on this confidence that his promise still stands for us. Oh, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence. You'll never fail me. Father, we thank you for this day, God, another opportunity to come in to your house and to worship you. We thank you for this confidence, God, that you give us, that, that you will never leave us or forsake us. And as we leave, I pray that you would bless us and give us another opportunity, God, to come in and to praise your name throughout the week as we go. Amen. You are dismissed.